It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Jeff Fiegel's with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. Lance Mendel will be joining us in just a few minutes right here to talk some Giants and NFL football. Just a reminder, folks, I know uh, you're listening to the Big Blue Kickoff Live podcast right now, but don't forget, check out the Giants Huddle podcast. It's kind of our long-form interview podcast. I do a 10-plus minute interview with a player every week. You know, we're still doing season stuff, but it's kind of a lot of big picture stuff, too. I do a lot about, you know, where the guys are in their career, what they're working on, things like that. It's usually some pretty good insight. We did Leonard Williams last week. He had some very interesting things to say about uh, his season so far and the Giants season on defense and big picture stuff. So I encourage you to go check that out. Mr. Fiegels, good mm. afternoon. How are you, sir? Hello, John Schmoke. You're doing good, man. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing all right, Jeff. Um, guys, I'm going to try to make this a big caller show here. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say uh, at this point. 201-939-4513. Uh, Jeff, neither, and I, neither you are on yesterday, so I'll just say this about the game uh, on Sunday. I mean, obviously, one of the worst passing performances I think either one of us has, has seen. Uh, they basically went down 14 nothing, and, and the game was pretty much over, <laughs> to be it. honest with you. Yeah. Um, and then there really wasn't much hope. They ran the ball pretty well. Uh, the defense, I, I guess, was fine. It was, you know, it was, it was fine, but, you know, mm-hmm. it was fine. And well, that's kind of well, all I got for you. i got to well, be honest with you. I'm with you. I, I think that, you know, try to keep the glass half full today and uh, going forward. The things that I see – you know, Saquon Barkley ran for 100 yards. Uh, I think that offensive line as a whole blocked pretty well for the run game. But other than that, that's about it uh, offensively. I think uh, defensively, if you look, you know, usually after the game, you get the snap counts. I like to go through those and look at where guys are playing. Um, one thing I did see is that Ojulari, uh you had um, Ellerson Smith, and you had my guy from uh, Miami. Hello, help me out. Um uh, come on. Oh, Quincy Roche. Those three guys played a lot of football on Sunday. And so those are your three guys. If you want to look for your kind of your future at the edge and pass rushing uh, team, those guys right there put a lot of time in on Sunday. So uh, you'll see that again this week against the, the Washington football team, too. So that's it. <laughs> that's about it, my friend. And now we hear the news of uh, Glennon. And so. Uh, you know, now you're going to get some young guys and um, evaluation, evaluation, evaluation. Um, I don't know. We, we don't want to get too much into the game this week. It's only Tuesday. But I think that a, a takeaway from that game, John, was, yeah, it was just it was pretty pitiful offensively. Um, and then, you know, going forward, this this has got this offense has got a lot of work to do, uh, a lot of things to to work on. For sure. Yes, and, and you know, you mentioned that the Mike Glennon has a broken or fractured some type of. I didn't even give it an exact way. They a left wrist, injury, a left <laughs> wrist injury that requires surgery. Um, I'm just assuming it. I hear surgery. I'm assuming fracture. I don't know if that's true or not. That was just my assumption. Uh, excuse me. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, so so we're probably going to see Jake Fromm this week. I mean, it could be Brian Lewerke, I guess, in theory. Joe Judge would not commit to a quarterback when he spoke on his presser yesterday. Well, I mean, you got to think it's going to be Fromm. Why would it be Lewerke? I, I wouldn't yeah. think it's going to be Lewerke either, but he <laughs> He'll would, be the backup. What other quarterback is there? I mean, I, 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 
He said he know. said he said it would likely be from <laughs> so he didn't want to commit, so yeah. we can't we can't say I for know. sure, but that's what it looks like. All right, 201-939-4513. I don't have a call screener today, folks, so I'm just gonna put you on hold. Uh you are gonna basically hear the show. That means you're on hold and Basically, when you're on hold, you'll listen to the show. I'm going to say, let's go to our next caller. You're on the air. You'll hear a click. That means you are the caller on the air. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and then we will get to you and talk some Giants football. So, Jeff, you want to just get the calls here? You know what? I don't know what else to do, John. Go to the calls. <laughs> yeah, let's go. All right, what that's the heck? What this, that's what this show is all about. I Big agree. Blue, it, is, it is about the, the caller. So, guys, let, yeah. let's get in today. We'll make it an all-caller show. If you want to get in, that's fine. Um, we'll, we'll try to get through you guys pretty quick since we're doing a full hour of calls. Even if you know, you want to get in a second time this week, that's fine. I will let you in today. That's okay. So let's do it. 201-939-4513. All right, let's start with our first caller. Call you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Caller? If you just heard a click, that means it's you. Click. Hello. If you're listening to the show on hold, you're on the air. All right. Well, that was strike one. 201-939-4513. Let's try caller number two. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Marty from Manahawk. Marty, turn your internet My... stream off, please. I hear myself back there. Yeah, yeah I'm Thank sorry. you. That's right. I mean, go realize. ahead. What do you got? Hi, Marty. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, we're to the point of the year where everybody's uh, kind of uh, at the point where it's doom and gloom. But uh, honestly, uh, you know, what I look at is that you know, we're really not in bad shape for the future coming down. I mean, we have we have a good core nucleus of some good players that we can, uh, you know, that we can keep. And uh, who would you consider a part of that core nucleus, Marty? Start on the offense for me, Marty. And that's not uh, being, I'm not being sarcastic. No, I'm, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, I want to know who he considers the core guy. Well, listen, ex- excluding the line. Uh, I, I still don't think that Evan Ingram is a is a lost cause. Yeah, but yeah, but Marty, he's, he's not a, under contract. He's a free sure. agent, so it's hard for him to be a core piece if he's not under contract next mm-hmm. year. Yeah, but if, if if they decide to keep him, sure. You, you, yeah, yeah, you know, you have something to you have something there to work with. And, and well, you by know the way, the if, they dis- if they decide to keep him, you know that they're that that is a part of their thinking that he can be a core piece for their offense if he's back. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, I mean the line, you know, the line we understand is, uh, you know, it's a work in progress. I mean, we do have a couple of good players there that. Uh, well, Morty, you know, I, we, I would I would say keep. number one core piece is Andrew Thomas. Like honestly, yes, and, Andrew Thomas is probably their best offensive player right now. He's to be honest with you, yes, if I was to thinking. have a draft today and I said, John, you have, you know, draft the Giants' offense one through twenty-five, right? You know who my first pick in the draft is? It's Andrew Thomas. I'm with you. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100. percent That 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 is that is a good that was a good pick. Uh, you know, wide receivers. Uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm still. Uh, I mean, if if he can stop with some of those uh, crazy drops that he has, is uh, Darius Slayton. He seems to you know he seems to you know he seems to have a lot of drops lately, uh, but. Uh, you know he 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 can't get open when when you need somebody to get open and he and he when the quarterback has enough time he can't get down the field so uh you know that that's a guy who we can hold on to uh sw- switching over to the defense i think we're fine you know we 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 do have a we do have some young corners some young safeties that uh, are definitely going to going to help out uh 
we're good we're good with uh Ojolari and uh the other, the other fellow there, uh, Lorenzo Carter, he seems to have uh, woken up finally that, that he's got some playing time. He's going to be a free and, agent. Uh, yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully uh, you know, he'll have a, you know, a, a contract that'll be uh, pretty friendly to us. Uh, the, and uh, who was the other guy I was thinking of? Uh, uh, what's his name? Xavier McKinney, did you mention him? No, him. He's him. Him. He's a lock. I mean, you know, you can't. You can't. You re, you really can't uh, find any any fault with him. So you know, I, I I would just you know, you know, it's it's great that we have him. Absolutely. You got anything uh, else, Marty? No, that's about it. I mean, I'm. You know, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's not all doom and gloom like you hear in some of these uh, so-called uh, media experts uh, out there. Uh, you know that are uh, bashing the Giants seems every, every single day now. You know, but uh, you know we got to hope we got to look for the future. Hope uh, hope we get some some decent draft picks to supplement what we have, and uh, hopefully uh, you know it, it, it'll start turning it around. Absolutely, thank you, Marty. That's okay, Marty. thank you. Appreciate the call, and I believe I heard Lance Meadow click in there. Hello, Mister Meadow. Hello, gentlemen. How are we doing? Good, good. We're just. Uh... Going over foundational pieces for the team next year. Um, not a lot uh, was said on the offensive side, John. Um, but I agree with you on the first first point of business. That's Andrew Thomas is absolutely would be my first pick. Um, failed to mention uh, Kenny Galladay, who was a guy that they brought in this year, had some injuries. So and by got, the way, and even though he had a bad year, Jeff, he's under a long-term contract yeah, here. So that's where I was going. He is. He is a core piece, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah, he's he's, he's going to be there. And yeah. also, you know, you, you didn't, didn't mention the quarterback. I mean, the, here's a guy that's going to be in his fourth season. No matter what uh, way you like it or not, he's going to be back next season at a – uh, and really, whether you know he's going to be on a fifth year or not, it doesn't matter. He still has to play his fourth year out, so that's a foundational piece if he does well and you move forward. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, there that's probably, you know, I, with Darius Slayton, you know, there's I don't know if you want to call him a foundational piece that you can build on. I mean, he's a guy that's got to prove that he can I think warrant fa- being back. Yeah, I, w- I would say foundational is a little strong. There. Yeah, so, um, and then on the defensive side, I'm not going to say foundational, but I mean, I don't, I mean, Jalen Smith to me is a guy, I, and I, again, I'm not going to build my team around Jalen Smith, but I tell you, here's a guy that, you know, he's, he graded out according to, you know, a lot of these other people really high last week. And the guy's only been here for two or three weeks. And so he might be a guy that can, you know, with Crowder and Martinez coming back next year, a guy that can play uh, that position pretty well to have him back. And then I, I think that, you know, the defensive backs position, um, I think Aaron Robinson is a guy that you look for to be kind of a, a foundational piece going forward, too. He's a good player. I mean, look how much he's played this year. Yeah, but look, I think he has to still prove that he's the 100%. level of foundational piece. No, I, I can't, I'm I, not going to use that anymore. A, I would say a young piece, young piece that has the potential to become yeah, a not, good player. Not foundational. I, I think that, uh, yeah. And also, um, Jalen Williams is a guy that uh, Jaron Williams, mean, Jaron, right? excuse me, yeah. that has really made some headway. I mean, look at the way he's played, and uh, certainly a guy that you're going to have back next year and and put him in the mix of things. And then, of course, your safety position too. So, uh, I, I think that you know, Marty, I agree that, that the team is you know they're. 
they may not be a long ways off, but they're still quite a bit of ways to getting back to where you want them to be because there's a lot of pieces still that have to be yeah, put together. Yeah, and I would always <laughs> just say, always be cautious, you know, for a guy like Jalen Smith, who basically any NFL team could have had for like six weeks well, and nobody chose to take him, I would always just put a big be careful there. Well, what I'm saying and don't there overreact is off of one game. I'm not going to overreact. I'm just telling you that I like the way he moves around. I like the way he's, you know, he's still he's not as fast as he used to be. Um, but I'm always looking for linebackers that can, you know, make plays, and I think he could do it. So, well, right. I mean, I think he's a good. I didn't mean to cut you off, Jeff. That's Go right, ahead, I'm continue. Done. Sorry. No, I was going to say I think Jalen Smith falls under the category of, you know, good depth at the yeah. linebacker position. Right. I don't think you're going yeah, necessarily fine. into the season as saying, hey, he's a guy that's going to be one of our starting linebackers and he's going to, you know, jump ahead of Blake Martinez. But given the injuries that the Giants have had to deal with this season, if you could say, hey, we have a veteran who could be that rotational guy, God forbid one of our starters goes down, we're confident he could fill in. I think that's somebody that certainly could be reliable under that umbrella. And then, you know, just to piggyback off of what Jeff was saying, I don't know necessarily if I would label all these guys as foundational pieces, the young guys that Jeff was running through, but you need these guys. If these guys become your depth guys, where, you know, your returning starters are healthy, and then Aaron Robinson got experience, and Jaron Williams, and Darius Slayton, you know, Darius Slayton is a fourth wide receiver. You could do far worse than that. Sure. So, you know, all of those guys, I think... Where you want to look at this, if you're the Giants, the roster certainly needs to improve, okay? Nobody's going to dispute that. But that doesn't mean that the pieces that are getting playing time right now can't help fortify the back end of your roster or some of those rotational rows. That's how I view a lot of these guys currently that are getting the bulk of the snaps and playing time. Yeah, look, and I think that's fair. And I think the other thing to note here, guys, just because of what the contracts look like, I mean, almost all the starters that we're talking about here, except for the guys that we mentioned that are free agents— they're probably going to be back for next year. Sure. I mean, th- this whole secondary is going to return. Like, literally, the entire secondary, except for Jabril Peppers. So you're going to have your top three safeties, Logan Ryan, Xavier McKinney, and um, Julian Love. And you're going to have your top three cornerbacks with James Bradbury, Dory Jackson, and Aaron Robinson. So all those guys are going to be back. Throw Jaron Williams into the mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blake Martinez is going to be back. Tay Crowder is going to be back. Uh, we'll see about Jalen Smith. Dexter Lawrence is going to be back. Leonard Williams is going to be back. Quincy Roche is going to be back. Aziz Ojolari is going to be back. Mm-hmm. So, like, these are all guys that are under contract. They're not going anywhere. Right, right, right. So, and they're draft picks, a lot of the guys. You correct. Or, too, or they're guys that yeah. they've recently signed to big money contracts. Sure. Right? And so, you know who else we forgot to mention? <laughs> it's kind of funny. Who's on offense did we forget to mention? Kadarius Tony. Tony. Yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. Gracious. But I think he, to me, is that franchise type of piece that you're looking at. You're not looking at him as a rotational back. No, no. I mean, a, like a yeah. playmaker, a guy that you're, sure. you know, you, he's going to be part of your offense next year. He is going to be a big part he of it. He has to, Jeff. He better <laughs> has be. to be. You know, first we're round talking pick. about a first round pick from yeah. 2021. So, you know, clock is ticking here. Find yeah. it ironic that none of us brought that name up. It just kind of goes to show you that how he hasn't really done much this year. What you know, you kind of forget about him, but he's he's exciting. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch once he gets healthy. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Let's go back to the phones. Call you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Donnie in Queens. Donnie, what do you got? Well, yes, you, you kind of just mentioned a couple names um, talking about the future of the team. I wouldn't be so sure that Dexter Lawrence and James Bradbury are back on this team next year. I think we all assume a new general manager is going to come in. You've got Bradbury with one year left on his contract. 
You've got well. If, if Bradbury is not on the team, Donnie, it'd have to be a trade. That's what I was going to go going to. Is I would think those are guys that are young, quality players that maybe not necessarily have a future here. That the team would look to maybe move and, and, and gain some assets back. But, but this is my concern: is that the Giants are going to put themselves between a rock and a hard place here. No matter what happens next year, Joe Judge is going to enter that season on the hot seat. The new GM coming in is not going to be on the hot seat. So by keeping, I'm not even a, a judge hater. I don't really have a feeling about him either way. But by bringing him back, they're going to create an initial conflict of interest between what Judge needs to keep his job and what the new GM's vision is. So you mentioned it before about the guys in this team. If you were drafting the team, who would be the keepers? Here's the sad part. Who would number two be? Uh, Xavier McKinney, maybe? I mean, it's a pretty barren and bleak outlook. If you think about the team long-term and where the contracts went, who could actually be here when the team is good? So they have to just do the right thing here. They need to let the GM bring in his own coach. Don't waste the year where Judge is pushing to get guys that can help him win now. Rip the Band-Aid well, off. Well, Don, Don, look, here's the thing. Whoever the GM is next year, you have to prioritize what's best for the organization, Okay. And to your point, that's probably taking a long-term outlook, right? And by the way, that's something that Joe Judge has actually espoused here too, right? That everything they do is that they're looking long-term. This is not – they're not looking for short-term fixes. And that goes back to even a lot of stuff people criticize him for in that post-game press conference. That's something he's been very consistent with um, in his statements this year during the week and after games where everything they're trying to build here is – to make the, it a long-term successful franchise. So if you get to next year, and again, we don't know who the new GM is going to be. We don't know what his you know, plan is going to be, how he wants to operate. But if they decide that, look, we think that we need to do like kind of a mini teardown and rebuild here, that's what the GM should do. Because if that's what the determination is, is what's best for the franchise long-term, that's what should happen regardless of who the head coach is. Right, but do you think Joe Judge sitting in the offseason meetings knowing I can't go 4-13 and again next year is going to agree with all that? Most likely not. He, he may say he's thinking long-term, and maybe he, in his heart of hearts he thinks that, but first and foremost, he's going to want to keep his job. This, this could be the last chance he has to, to be a head coach in the NFL. And it's actually so funny that everybody's just assuming there's a new general manager here. Uh, and that the Giants haven't even fired Gettleman yet. But, I mean, it just doesn't add up. If you were a Knicks fan, would you want them to keep the incumbent coach? No, you'd want them. You are a Knicks fan. You would be telling them that he should rip it down, new GM, new coach at the same time. And the Giants are going to do the opposite thing. They're going to have a mishmash approach next year to the, the, the building of the team. And they're probably going to hire a GM that's going to play Kate John Mara and keep Joe Judge around. And it's the same well, you don't know that. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get Donnie again, Donnie. You don't. You've, despite what the reports say, no one has any idea how they're going to operate in that way. And a lot of people are, are panicking over stuff that they don't know anything about, mm-hmm. which is kind of what drives me nuts. People assume well, they know. Like, ha- John, this is what they've been doing. They've been doing the half measures approach. It started when they forced Coughlin to fire Gilbride. Then they fire Coughlin. They keep the GM. They actually did the right thing. They fired uh, Mar- um, Reese and McAdoo at the same time. Then they make a Shermer the scapegoat. Then it was the offensive coordinators the scapegoat. Now it's going to be Gettleman's the scapegoat, and then it will be Judge next year. It's just, 
So in fairness to the fans, they who are panicking, we've seen this pattern over and over again. So why should I believe any different that they're going to make the right decision this time? Well, I mean, so you're saying if you fire the offensive coordinator, that means you have to fire the coach and the GM at the same time? Look, I, I, I'm saying over the 10-year span, it's been a slow, steady process where with each regime, they slowly escape one person at a time. So it's, it's going to be, Judge will be back next year. These reports don't come out of nowhere. The Giants are leaking this information to the press to get fan reaction on it, right? No, but Donnie, so Donnie, 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 did, did you read Paul Schwartz's article last week? Exactly. Who do you think that came from? That comes from the Oh, Giants. so the you're choosing to believe there. some reports, but you're not choosing yeah, but, to believe other oh, reports. No, no, no. I'm, be- I'm believing both. Here's what happened. The first report went to Adam Schefter, trying to bring him back Jones and, and uh, Judd, right? Fan reaction was negative, so they go to Paul Schwartz and they say, well, we're not necessarily going to do that. No, but again, did, did, did you read the second part of the Schefter report or just the first part of the Schefter report? Schefter reported that a couple days later. Did he not? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm mistaken. Again, but the second part was that it wasn't necessarily true, right? That it would be dependent on what, if there is a new general manager, what the new general right. manager would want to do. Right. And how long after that initial report did that come out? I, I would have to look. I don't remember off the top of my head. It was a couple of days. He said it actually on Radman's podcast. So this stuff is all coming from the Giants who are taking the temperature of their fan base. But they're already foreshadowing their thing. You like to do predictions, right? So this is my prediction. I'll let you guys go to your next call. Judge will be back. It's so obvious. Everybody sees it. They're going to hire a GM that's willing to play Kate Tad, so it'll be a lesser prospect, most likely, although that is an entire crapshoot that hired. No, but, no, but Donnie, 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 just, just for a second before you hang up. Sure. Let, I'm going to put this out there for you, okay? Let's sure. say— I appreciate you giving me the time. No, Thank you. No problem. What if they say, again, if, if they end up going to hire a new GM, like you said, nothing's been announced or anything like that. If they end up going down that road and they say to the GM, look, we'd like you to keep Joe Judge for a year, okay? And the guy goes, all right, well, here, here's the deal. Okay. I'll, I'll, and again, the, the, the Giants might not even say this to him. I'm just going into your hypothetical, okay? Okay. If, if they I, I say, we would, we would prefer you to keep Judge for a year, right? And the GM goes, all right. Fine, I'll do that. Because maybe in his head he thinks next year is going to be a rebuilding year anyway, right? So the record necessary isn't, you know, super-duper important, right? And he says, all right, fine. But then after that year, I, if I want to keep him, I keep him. If I want him to go, then he can go. Why wouldn't that necessarily be something a new GM would be in favor of? Because in, in the end, it's still going to be his decision. And if next year which is, I think, what you're, again, this is your hypothetical that I'm trying to, that I'm trying to play out here. If next year's right. a rebuilding year anyway, and you're trying to dump players and you're not trying to win, why would it be a game-changer for the GM to have the current coach here instead of having a new coach here if you're just using it as a rebuilding year anyway? Well, because you're, you're creating a natural conflict of interest between the coach and the GM now. Joe Judge, is not going to want to just banish the roster down to the stud. Yes, but that is not. No, but that that is not Joe Judge's decision. That's the GM's no, decision. It's not, but he, well, I always hear it's a collaborative effort. If you have the head coach and the GM at odds of where that team is headed, that's not good for business. So, well, but you would if, likely if have those conversations before correct. the season started anyway. Though. Correct. So, if that, both parties don't see eye to eye, then in all likelihood, that may be a sign that you have to move on. Right, and well, though, look, yeah, it, right. It, it, Go ahead, Donnie. I'm sorry. Joe Judge is not going to resign and, and get himself fired. They'll say, yeah, sure, that's great. And then they move on. It's too late. 
but he's not going to, when it comes down to it and push comes to shove, he's not going to want to play maybe younger guys and bench veterans later in the season. It's, it's just, well, but you're, it's I think to me, you're then taking it a step further. You're Correct. not talking about playing time. It's one thing to say the GM's going to give him the pieces. Related, what? I didn't hear what John, you said. You're a Knicks fan. John, you're a Knicks fan. What would you want the Knicks to do? You would want them to start fresh with everybody at one time. That's what the, the good organizations do. They align the GM and the head coach. They don't waste a year with the incumbent guys. Yeah, but no, but Donnie, but your point, no, but Donnie, in your hypothetical, and this is my point, in your in your hypothetical, and this is not my statement, I'm using your hypothetical, next year doesn't matter anyway. Because you're trading everyone away, no, 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 and, no, no. and you're it trying to get matter. assets, right? It does matter. The team's not going to be good, but the, the GM and the coach should have a shared vision. They should be on the same timeline. You shouldn't have the coach as a sacrificial lamb where the GM says, Fine, I'll take him just to keep the job, and then I'll discard him after the year. That, that's just bad business. That's not the right way to do things. And, again, this is my last comment that I'll hang up. They started with Coughlin. They made him fire Gilbride. Then they fire Coughlin. They keep Reese. They finally fired the two guys together. Two years later, they fire Shermer. They keep uh, Gettleman. Now they have uh, the fire the offensive coordinator from Judge. So they're going to keep Judge, but they're going to fire. No, Gettleman. no, 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 Donnie, 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 over, Donnie. Just over, really quick. Over and over again. They've only done it once, by the way. Like your point is, is, is they've they've done it once when they fired Tom Coughlin and then hired Jerry Reese. I mean, and then kept and Jerry how about Reese. When okay. They fired Shermer and they kept Gettleman. But Gettleman got to hire the coach, so those two guys are still aligned. He hired Shermer. He should have been out the door. Okay, but that that's a different argument. No, but that that's a different argument. You know They're half measures. They're all half measures. So you're saying whenever you fire a head coach, you have to fire the general manager. That that's what you're saying. Generally speaking, if the if the GM comes in together, if the GM and the head coach fail together, then yes, you should fail them. Now, Do you know how hard it is to fire a GM after just two years? And that's not You're necessarily not even giving a him a chance. Yeah. Not every team does this either. Yeah. No. All right, Donnie, we gotta go, man. I, I appreciate Thank it, man. You guys. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Yep. Mm-hmm. Listen, there's a variety of ways to go about retooling the front office and the coaching dynamics. For example, the example I was going to bring up is the Lions. They had Martin Mayhew, who actually previously worked in the Giants' front office, who's now with Washington. He was fired midway through the 2015 season. They kept Jim Caldwell, and then they brought in Bob Quinn from the Patriots organization. I don't know what exactly the conversations were, but I believe the way it went was Detroit's ownership said, we like Jim Caldwell. Bob, we want you to keep him. And, you know, I don't know if they said, hey, give him a year, give him two, but Caldwell actually stayed on as the head coach of 2016 and 2017. And, guys, you know what? He posted nine and seven records mm-hmm. both of those years. And you know what? Bob Quinn then decided after the 2017 season to bring in his own guy, Matt Patricia, and that didn't necessarily work out. So, Probably you know, right. that, that was an example where ownership preached patience. Caldwell got them to a winning record, but the GM still had the mindset, I want to bring in my own guy. So – you could have the best laid plans, and that's not necessarily going to ultimately lead to success either. And, and so again, did that, did that uh, GM yeah, leave with you. Matt I'm Patricia? Yes, they there? cleaned house. Once yeah. uh, Matt Patricia was fired, they cleaned house. Yes, yeah. to answer your question, Jeff. Usually yeah. they will give the GM a chance to pick a second coach, yeah, generally you speaking. Well, you yeah. can't be firing G- changing GMs every two years. No. I mean, no. look at the organizations, guys. And, you know, I hate to throw teams under the bus, but the bottom line is there's a reason why the Jets and the Browns for a good portion of time were, you know, in the cellar. 
because they kept doing what we're discussing. Yeah. So I don't think the Giants want to go down that road. And as far as the last caller's point, they started fresh in 2018 when Gettleman and Shermer came in. Yes, Shermer then parted ways with the team. But then Gettleman and Judge, and I think, John, this is where you were getting at, they started together again. Correct. Yes, exactly. So, they were know, aligned. They, correct. It wasn't like they got rid of Gettleman halfway through the 2018 season, brought in a new GM, which I'm talking about happened in Detroit. That, to me, doesn't necessarily make things great because you've got a GM walking in midway through the season. You've got to learn the new head coach. I'm sure he's got a guy in the back of his mind that he may want to bring in. That, to me, is rough. But if you get rid of a coach at the end of the season, you tell the GM, listen, you got another shot to get this right, you start the clock again, then to me, that's not necessarily this revolving door of every two years you bring in a new duo. You'd be hard-pressed to find an example in recent NFL history, even past NFL history, of teams, guys, that did that, and then automatically it led to success. I'm not saying it never happened, but you'd be very hard-pressed to find a good example. Right, and look, you have to give a general manager a, a, a chance here. Again, we're not making the argument that, that it's gone well the last four years. You know, that's, that's not what we're saying, but to just to start changing directions every two years— and, and, you know, Donnie kept bringing up the Knicks. You know what doesn't help? Changing general managers every two years. <laughs> and coaches, too, by yes. the way. Yeah, with that team. Not not great. <laughs> not great. 201-939-4513. And, again, there's – again, if there is, in fact, a general manager search – and, again, the Giants have not made any announcements. If that does, in fact, happen, I don't think anyone knows as much as they think they do about – how they're going to handle that whole process and putting the front office together. I know there's a lot of reports out there, and a lot of those reports, there's information that I know factually is incorrect. I can't really get into it. Um, but we, I think people are panicking over stuff that they don't exactly know how it's going to work no yet, is my point. No one knows a thing. Correct. No one knows a thing. Does everybody know for 100% that Joe Judge will be back next year? No. Just because you've heard reports from people doesn't mean that they're factual, that there's 100%. There, there's, there's a chance that Joe Judge could be gone like everybody else. I mean, you just don't know. So you start throwing these hypotheticals about, you know, what about this? How about Joe Judge stays on, like was been reported, and Dave Gettleman steps down or is fired, if that's been what's going to happen, and a new GM comes in here and actually happens to like Joe Judge. And all of a sudden they put t- together a team next year that wins nine games. I, you know, can it happen? It can happen just as easy as they lose. They they lose. You know, they win four games. It does. So I think that there's there's a chance that Joe Judge is back, and that because when you look at what he's up against, and I I am not going to sit here and tell you that this team is good because they're not. Okay, they're the worst offense in in football. Um, however, when you look at what Joe Joe Judge has been up against, a COVID year in 2020. Okay, a team that's riddled with injuries in 2021. Okay, their starting quarterback goes out, so they have no offensive line. I mean, I mean, don't you kind of want to see what can happen with maybe a good season and a, you know some improvements up and down the offensive line and a healthy season by your number one draft pick, your your prize free agent and Kenny Galladay on offense. You have a Saquon Barkley who's 100% healthy coming back next year. Okay, you have a foundational piece on your left tackle, which by the way is the most important on your offensive line. And so I think that, you know, you've got a lot of things that, and I don't want anybody to think that I'm sitting here jumping on the Joe, Joe Judge bandwagon. I'm just trying to throw things at you guys that you, nobody really brings these things up. Well, again, I, I want to ask you guys a simple question, all right? Once this season got started, right? Heck, once you got past the draft and free agency. Yeah. What could Joe Judge have done 
to make this season better than it's been? Joe Judge himself? Well, what as head coach, what could Joe Judge have done in the past eight months, all right, <sighs> or the past seven months that would have made this season any better than it turned out to be, given all of the injuries and other things that they've had to deal with? No, seriously, like once the season started, okay, you want to nitpick about a couple like fourth down decisions? I mean, look at the point differential. Look at the record. Are a couple small fourth down decisions here or there going to make a re- difference? Really going to make a significant difference as to where not, this team not is in those right categories now? Categories that you said. No. Of course, of course, please just if, you, if <laughs> no, but I, I've honestly thought about this as as I've kind of seen this season go where where it's going, and I have not been able to come up with anything. And by the well, way, because there's been a lot of lopsided games also for the second half of the season, too. So, I mean, looking at fourth downs here or there, I don't really think of the big picture would have made a difference. Well, well and again, th- that's my point. So, obviously, the season has not gone well. But my point is that you could have literally taken Joe Judge out as head coach this year, put in any other coach in the NFL. The record would not be much different, if different at all. That That's my point. Well, I think that, you know, if, if some of these – factors that you mentioned John were you know they were the other way like did you know you had a healthy offensive line a guy a team that played together through you know out of 17 18 games that they were consistently playing next to each other for 12 or 13 or 14 of those games and they developed and they were the guys that you originally thought that were going to play then you might have a different you know you might have a different ranking in this offense if your number one wide receiver who back by the way two years ago led the National Football League in touchdowns okay has zero, if he just has, I don't know, 10, 8, um, Kadarius Tony, who you know when he gets the football in his hands, how dynamic he is, uh, is on the field, and Saquon is at, you know getting healthier and healthier. There's a reason why he's running the way he is the last couple weeks, guys. I mean, even though he hasn't against the Eagles, didn't do much, you can see the acceleration in him. He's getting healthier. And, and it's I, taken that long. You know, and I think the thing that bothers me, guys, and, and maybe, and again, please, I would love for you guys to tell me where I'm wrong here, or the callers. That's, that's fine. That's why we're doing this. You know, I didn't feel like, as of November 28th, that was the last game Daniel Jones played in. There was a lot of furor and, like, people out there saying, oh, they need to change the head coach, right? I didn't get that sense back on November 28th. Mm -hmm. Why would anything you've seen the last five weeks, given the Giants' quarterback situation and everything else that's gone on, why would that impact whether or not you think you should keep the coach or not? Because clearly they have no chance. I mean, right? With no. with the way the offense is set up right now, with the quarterback and no. the offensive line and no. and the receivers that are healthy, they, they they do not have a chance to score points. They have the worst quarterbacking situation in the National Football League, hands down. There's no, you try to go find a situation in the NFL right now, a quarterback position. I mean, look at the well, and Jeff is the combination, right? It's the yeah. quarterback with the uh, with the yeah, pass protection. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I mean, look at just go ahead and look at the um, the other night with the Vikings. Okay. Um, Manion, right? I mean, did he look serviceable? I mean, he was throwing passes. He was rolling out. He was doing things. I mean, that's a backup quarterback. I mean, that look, they had, they, they may not have had a chance to win that game on paper, but the guy looked serviceable. Well, again, Jeff, (laughs) this is my point. Like if I think, I think if you parachuted Mike Glennon into a better situation, he would look better. Sure. Well, I think Daniel Jones would too. Well, (laughs) Well, I mean, that goes hand in hand with most quarterbacks. Yes. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Right. Well, I mean, the, the only thing that I'll add, John, is yes, please. the fact that, and Jeff, I had this conversation with you on the post game. Sure. The reality is, even before some of the injuries began this season, I know some of them were before the season started, the offense overall 
has struggled, whether Daniel Jones has been under center, Mike that's Lennon, right. Jake yes. Fromm. I think that's at least important to note. Of course. We can Very live important. in, right, guys, we can have the hypothetical conversation. I know fans love to do this. Personally, I don't get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And I know Jeff was, I'm not saying you were doing this, but you were talking about if Galladay was on the field and mm-hmm. Tony was on the field. And we could sit here and say, yeah, maybe they get another touchdown or two. But, you know, even when we saw flashes of this group together, you never got the true feel that this offense was going to take a significant leap. Now, in so, fairness, Lance, I don't think we ever saw it. We had well, one game well, where they plays. had the actual <laughs> most of these guys on the field together. Well, the New Orleans game is the one where the majority of them were on the field, but even with the New Orleans game, and I pointed this out, with Last about, what, minutes seven game? minutes to go yeah. in the fourth quarter, they no, had ten points, true. okay? No, right, no, but, Lance, so, but, but my point, though, is that if, if – I don't care what team it is. If you take out your top two wide receivers, sure. two of your starting offensive linemen, it's it's going to be difficult. Now, Absolutely. again, to your point, am I saying that this was going to be a top 10 offense if all those guys were healthy? No, but I think it would have been more competent than it 100%, has been. And more right. competitive. Correct. More yes. competitive in terms of the games. And and that's where I was sort of getting at. I'm not saying that you guys were painting this picture where, yeah. you know, the hypothetical. I'm just saying that I think also the expectations going into the season – with some of the moves that the team made, I think a lot of people thought that this offense and this team overall was going to take giant leaps when what conversation did we also have, guys, all offseason when we were talking about when that winning streak came in to play? What did it coincide with? It coincided with teams that were also relatively banged up, teams record-wise that were not very good. And this is why all of those things, you have to have that conversation to come back to a realistic outlook in terms of where this team was to begin with. That's where I'm getting at. Fair enough. All right, let's get back to the calls. 201-939-4513. I know I've had you guys on hold a while. I apologize for that. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hi, this is Mick from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You said Mitt? Mick. Mick, what's up, Mick? How are you? Hi, Mick. Okay, the Giants are where they are. We all know what Gettleman shortcomings are, but Joe Judge is in way over his head. How do you how do you start a game with four free agent wide receivers and Kenny on first down with an empty backfield instead of running the ball? I looked at the TV. I said, "You got to be kidding me!" Look, if you, if you want to criticize an individual play call, that's fine. Let me ask you something. If they yes. if they do run the ball on that first play of the game, do you think the result right. of the game is any different? Well, I'll put it this way: you don't you don't start in a hole seven nothing after one play. Well, yes, I I understand that, but at the same time, Mike Lennon also has to realize that they're rushing six against the five man line, and he has to get the ball out quicker. Which is another thing. Let me let me ask you this: two game, I think it was a Cowboy game. Joe Judge was seven seconds left on a play clock and six seconds left in a quarter, caught a strategical timeout. That's high school stuff. The quarter was going to run out. He wasted a timeout. No, the quarter was not going to run out. That's why he called the timeout. He had one extra second. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought it was the other way. I thought it was seven on the play clock, six. No, 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 the, no. But that, that's why they waited so long. Like you, they thought the quarter was going to run out, so they were going to let the quarter run out. Then the officials were like, no. It's not going to run out, so you have to use a timeout or you're going to get the delay game. So now, look, that is still mismanagement. No mm-hmm. question about it. No argument. But again, this, this is my point, Mick. These things you're pointing out, fine. Do you think mm-hmm. the end result of the season would be any different, big picture-wise? 
No, but anytime you could avoid a touchdown or something, you do. Let me, let me ask you this. Joe Judge is a special team coach. How, how did Farrell Cooper have that brain, brain block there? Well, I mean, that's just that's a bad decision by, by Farrell Cooper. How, how, is that a, how, how is that a coaching yeah. issue? What, what did you think? Do you think well, Joe I, Judge coached him up? Not to, to, to like, all right, here's what you're going to do. The ball's in the air. It's not going to go in the end zone. Call for the fair catch. Mick, let me ask you uh, this. Farrell Cooper has yes. been in the league since 2016. I understand your frustration, right. but let's peel back the layers here, okay? So you're a coach. You get a guy on the roster who's added middle of the season. Remember, he wasn't here during training camp. And by the way, Lance, that's and been his primary job in the league well, that, as a kick correct. returner. Well, that, and that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> my, my point is, it, Joe Judge, do you think of all the things, of all the teachable moments, Mick, that he's saying to himself when Farrell Cooper arrives, I need to tell this guy that he shouldn't assume that the ball is not going to bounce in the end zone. You know, like the typical things that most return guys know since they've been doing it for five to six years. I mean, sometimes you have to say to yourself, is that more of the player just having a brain fart in the moment? Or is that the coaching slipping up and not doing their due diligence? I think those are two separate things. Well, well one, Joe Judge picked who to put back there, and obviously it turned out being a bad decision. But and when did when did I'm Cooper – but, Mick, hold on. Let me counter that. When did you see yeah. a hiccup like that out of Farrell Cooper before this Bears game? I'll just take his one. Well, but, but the point is you're, you're basically – you're <laughs> saying that, that Joe Judge needed to get in the mind of Farrell Cooper and say, when the wind is blowing from the left to the right – Farrow may have a situation where he's assuming wrong, and I need to prepare him for that. I mean, you're, you're getting so technical in terms of putting this on the coach. I'm not excusing the decision. I just think it's more of a Cooper issue Correct. than a Joe Judge issue. What happened there? 100%. Well, let me ask you. I mean, the Giants do things that you just don't see other teams do. We lost the Redskins game because our nose tackle, who's two inches from the ball, is offside on a game-winning field goal attempt. It's like... I've never seen that in 50 years of watching football. No? I've seen that happen before. They, they, they invent new ways to lose. Well, there's certainly been some heartbreaking losses, but, I mean, I think some of the things that you're talking about we've seen Thank you, in Mick. recent NFL history. I mean, guys have been called offsides on field goal attempts. Yes, a million reduce. times. A yeah, million I mean, times. Seen, I mean, how many teams, you know, also the whole thing when you try to ice the kicker. I mean, Jeff could tell you, right, and the coach, yeah. should you call the timeout, should you not call the timeout? How many times have you given the kicker another opportunity under that? And I know yeah. that's not a penalty, but, you know, those late-game situations, yeah, that certainly falls under the discipline situation, but I think – and, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, and if you disagree, feel free to jump in. I'm not saying that I have all the right answers, but I think a lot of the things that callers are bringing up with respect to these back-breaking moments late in games, there's nothing wrong with saying the player made a mistake and that it's not the coaching yeah. staff not doing these things or not reminding them. I mean, Jeff, you were with Thomas McGahee, and if you listen to McGahee speak to the media every week— And Quinn. Correct, and Quinn, too. They always talk about how they're looking at things, Jeff, around the league every week, right? Mm -hmm. And then they show the clips to the unit and say, oh, hey, yeah. this yeah. happened in week 15 with the right. Vikings and the Bears. Guys, we're going to pinpoint this to make sure that if it ever happens with us, you know what to do. Don't tell me those things are not going on. I mean, no. they're going on across NFL locker rooms, Jeff, and 100%. film rooms right across the board. And by the way, after start of the year, Jeff, I'm sorry for interrupting just real quick. The Giants are actually the sixth least penalized team in the league now. 
You know, early in the year, they were higher on that list. They are now yeah. the sixth least penalized yeah. team in the league. The or only thing, Je- Jeff, before you jump in, John, yeah. the only thing I would throw in, you know my philosophy. It's, it's when they happen. Right? No, it's I get not it. the volume, it's timing. I get it. No, that's, that's fair. That's yeah. absolutely fair. And we were talking about a lot of critical uh, penalties at the beginning of the season. We haven't talked a lot about those, which is a good thing. Now, I, I, I got a couple things to say. Collectively, on the bad plays, whether it's all three phases of the game, when you are a team that's only won four football games, those are, those are exemplified most over and over and over. They just stand out more than any other ones will, right? Because if you're a winning team and these things happen, you don't care. Okay, these things are just, they're, they're, they're pointed out, but they're, they're real, and there's no excuse for them. But I think a lot of it does go back on the players. Lance, you are 100% correct. Every week in every single 32 special teams meetings, those, those special teams coaches bring up uh, a handful of plays that happened in the league that last weekend, and they, they show it. Because they don't. They want to make an example out of that person that this is not going to happen to us guys. And some of the plays are the Farrell Cooper play. There's going to be a play where one of the guys goes out of bounds as the guy's the first to touch the ball. They show that probably every other week, and it happens in the National Football League, but it still continues to happen because guys might be asleep or not sure. paying attention or whatever. Or they're he, you know, maybe they don't know they went out of bounds. But in the, in the case of the other day when Riley Dixon had the ball go into the end zone. If you remember the, the description of that, I can't remember the guy's name. I just remember his number, 35. He was a new guy. Denard, Joe Judge was about. Yeah, yeah, Joe Judge was yelling at him, do not touch the football, you're out of bounds. Okay, so in that instance, it worked. I'm going to tell you that I can tell, I believe what happened to Farrell Cooper the other night was the, was the direct result of playing in Chicago in a windy day. That ball was supposed to go over his head into the end zone, and it hit a pocket of wind, and it just died. And that happens, and I don't care who you are on the other line or listening to this going, oh, there's no way. I will tell you from experience that does happen in every stadium with wind. The ball only weighs 16 ounces, okay? It's going to happen. So it's, you know, the ball goes up in there, and it's, it's twirling around. The wind is going to die, and I think that's what happened. Now, would that ever happen again? Probably not. Not to the Giants. You hope not. But, you know, these types of things in special teams meetings happen, and they go over them over and over. And, yes, Lance, you are correct when you say you cannot just, you know, you just can't tell the player, oh, that's okay. It's on the player. And McGahee and Quinn, those guys, there's no stone unturned in those meetings, and those guys are prepared. It's just when that happens, it's on the player. I'm just t- I, right, I know. and exactly. again, hundred percent. And guys, yeah. I, I and I think I, we should just be clear here. We obviously know the season has been very; it's not gone well. It's, yeah, sure, <laughs> and, but and that it, would be stating the obvious. Correct. You know, and yeah. and obviously, if if a fan's overall thing is, oh well, the record stinks. The record has stunk the last two years. You got to just clean house. You want to start over from scratch. I I get that argument. That's fine. But it's 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 very simplistic. I understand where you're coming from, and it makes you feel better to say, oh, I'll fire this guy, and, and, and it makes you feel better about it. Right. But it's just hard to really pinpoint, in my opinion, things that the coaching staff has done this year where you're saying, well, if they didn't do this or they did this or they did that, this season would be completely different. I just think they're, they're in a very, 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 very difficult situation with the way the season has gone. Yep. That's all I'm saying. Fair? Yeah. Sure. Okay. 201. Well, I'm so glad. You got one more thing? No, quick? the only other thing that I was going to throw out, which I don't think we highlighted, is, you know, Judge ultimately did make the decision to move on from Jason Garrett, guys, after the Bucks game. And what did we say? We said at the time, there's no easy <laughs> fix, right? Yep. I mean, that was a big part of our conversation. Now, once again, I'm not 
saying that Freddie Kitchens is to blame and you have to take into consideration the quarterback situation changed when Freddie became the play caller. Of course. But notice, notice, guys, that things hadn't dramatically all of a sudden went to the opposite end of the spectrum because somebody else was at the controls. And we had that conversation. Mm-hmm. We had that conversation before and after because a lot of people were calling for the team to part ways with Jason Garrett. So Judge made that decision, but then it didn't necessarily yield any different results. So my point is, you could call for change consistently, and I get it. Fans get impatient, and they figure the quick fix will bring them to the promised land. But I think there's enough of that that's gone on, not just with the Giants, in NFL landscapes across the board, where you make the change for the sake of making change to appease to a certain group, and then you're left with similar results, and it's the game of musical chairs again that I like to call, where you're basically just moving the pieces around, but the results are not differentiating yeah, from well season said. in and season out. Well said. 201-939-4513. Call you on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Uh, Jay from Brooklyn. Jay, G, you said? Jay, Jay. Jay, what's up, man? Hi, Jay. Hey, real quick. Uh, listen, I think any new GM that comes in, I'm going to be honest with you, the fans ain't going to want to hear this, but the smart thing to do, first thing you do, you walk in, decline the option on Jones, bring back Jones, Judge, and Barkley on one-year deals, see what they, see what they could do. I mean, they're still pretty young and then ride it out from there. I think that's a smart thing considering the cap situation that they're in, how the cap's going to open up years down the road. I, I just don't – I think that's a smart thing. And nobody wants to hear it, but I think that's a smart well, thing. Well, and Jay, I, I just want to build on what you're saying because you're right. Like, you're kind of locked into this team next year, right? I mean, this is kind of what it's going to be, you know, in addition to whoever you draft. You're not going to be able to make any big additions or anything like that. So I, I totally get where you're coming from, where you want to see – in a better situation with hopefully healthier players, if this group right. together can put it together in a better situation for a year. I totally get where you're coming from. Now, the only thing I do disagree with you, John, is the fact that you said that, you know, what else could have Joe Judge done? Listen, I'm, I'm for bringing him back for another year. The only problem is he's, he's, he owns this. I mean, he's got to own this record. No, and he, and he does. And, 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 Jay, by the way, he has said that he owns the record, and I'm not arguing that he doesn't either. He absolutely does. No question. And you got to understand, let's be real, John and Lance and Jeff, next year he's going to be probably going on his third offensive coordinator, his third offensive line coach. He's running out of fingers. They're running out of fingers to point. I mean, he has to, they have to win. I mean, I'm not looking for a seven-win season next year. I mean, but, you, you know, fans would have been okay with the season if you got one of the two things. If you either got a competitive season or if you were able to develop your young quarterback. You got neither. That's no. why you got a lot of frustration. And oh, and, and to- Jay, totally understand, no argument. To- totally get it. And if you, I mean, if they were if they were if they finished season 5 and 12 but you walked out of there knowing eight, we got a, we got our QB. I think this you know, the blow would be a little less severe. But the fact that you got both of those in a negative and you're heading into this murky situation. I mean, listen, new GM has to come in. I would just like I said, just to keep, cut it off quick. I would keep everybody for one more year. See how it works out. Take those five picks, those first five picks you got in Haiti. Build up my pass rush. Build up my own line. Unless there's a quarterback you see out there who really, you know, tickles your fancy. Other than that, that's what I would do, guys. Simple as that. Thank you, Jay. I I think Jay kind of – I'm kind of with Jay on that, to be honest with you guys. That's the more realistic thing to look at. I mean, when you look at what he said, I mean – you guys, I mean, is it time to quit on J- Daniel Jones? I mean, we, I, I, you still got a, you got a, a manageable contract, right? Eight point eight million dollars for a starting quarterback who you haven't been able to you, you've been able to try to, you know, figure him out a little bit. But have, you know, 
you're not ready to quit on him yet, are you? No, you're not. What else is there out there? And by the way, the draft, we haven't even got into it yet, but I, I started trying to, you know, maybe looking at some of these bowl games and looking at some of these guys. There's nothing that tickles my fancy in the, dra- in the draft as far as quarterbacks this no, year. It's, it's, it's not a great year. You know, so, yeah. but what does tickle my fancy is some of maybe these offensive linemen and these pass rushers this year. Um, I think you got a better chance at picking one of those guys and having success than you do it at one of the quarterbacks that are coming out. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited about it. Like five in the top 80. Um, and by the way, you know, you got two first round draft picks, guys. That That's a lot of, that's a lot of two ammo. Two top 10 picks. Yeah. And, and by yeah. the way, you know, that you don't have to use those for, uh, number one, you could trade back. Yep. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but you know, there's also uh, there could be a veteran offensive lineman out there that you maybe want to go for that gives you immediate uh, success, if you will, some some experience because you have some of those picks, John, and you know a lot of things you can do with it. And and by the way, that's what Dave Gettleman positioned himself for this year for is to be able to have some draft capital for what he did last year with uh, the Bears. Well, there's no doubt about it that if you help improve the personnel, you would hope that the quarterback, you assuming the quarterback can stay God. healthy, Jeff, right, yes. that both of those yeah. things would be trending upwards. You know what I'm reminded of as we're having this conversation? I'm reminded of the Cleveland situation a little bit. And if you guys disagree, I'm all ears. But when Baker entered year three, if you recall, in 2020, because this is year four, and they did not pick up the fifth-year option, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, well, they, they have the fifth-year option. They didn't give him a contract extension, excuse me. Correct. So you can operate the same way with Daniel Jones. Nobody's saying that you've got to give him a lucrative deal. You can let the deal play out and then determine what you want to do because Cleveland pretty much did that. But what happened with Baker is year three, things clicked, and this is why I think Giants fans wanted to see the same thing with Daniel Jones. Well, why did it click for Baker in year three? They improved the offensive line. They brought in a new coach and a new play caller. They worked on his footwork and Mm -hmm. the personnel, right? What Jeff is talking about. Mm -hmm. All of those things improved. The defense improved. So Baker had a really good year last year. Now things went downhill this year. Well, what happened? You had injuries on the offensive line, defense. Baker got hurt himself, right? He's going to have surgery. Wide receivers got hurt too. Wide receiver, correct. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even if you get one good year, you still want to make sure that you're making the right decision based on that one year. You don't want to make a commitment, and then all of a sudden, the factors start to change, and now the quarterback is impacted. But once again, I'm bringing up Cleveland. I'm not saying that it's identical to the Giants situation because Cleveland, obviously, different cap space, different coaching. But Cleveland operated where we haven't seen enough out of Baker, so we're not going to lock him up. I don't see why the Giants can't operate similarly where they – Listen, if they want to pick up the option, fine. But if they don't, you let Daniel Jones play out the rookie contract for the four years. And then at the end, you determine, have we seen enough? Has he stayed healthy? We improved the personnel. Did we like what we've seen? And then you go from yeah. there. I don't think there's anything wrong with operating under that. All right, let's go back to the phones. Cole, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Charlie. Hey, Fort Charlie. Maine. Hey, guys. Hello, Chuckles. Hey. I haven't talked to you in a couple weeks, man. <laughs> hey, Jeff. Hey, I know. What what is there to say? I mean, no, nah, you're pathetic. not wrong. You not always wrong. have something it's to say, pathetic. so we're just yeah. That's hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, back in April or it was the end of March or April, I predicted the Giants would be five and twelve, and the reason I predict, predicted five and twelve was because we didn't fix the O line and we have a mediocre quarterback. So here we are with no, and it wasn't Colombo's fault. And it wasn't Garrett's fault. So whose fault is it? It's got to go to the head coach since he's the one that's hiring all these coaches, 
all these great teaches that he talked about. Or, or maybe it's it, the players it, on the roster. It can be partly be the players, too. But who picked the players? Who helped Gettleman pick the players? And you got to remember, too, Gettleman came in, right? And we were in cap, you know, where we were. We were in a bad cap situation. Well, Gettleman's leaving, and we're in bad cap situation. So he didn't improve it. He didn't improve the O-line. And he hasn't got his franchise quarterback as far as I see. I mean, Jones has got a neck injury and nerve damage probably. We'll be finding well, out you don't in a couple stop weeks. making that up. Well, you don't know if he has nerve damage. I'm not making trial. it up. I mean, why did he? Why did they take him to three different medical doctors to find out? All How I'm do you know? Is, no, 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 no. Time out, time out, Tower. You don't just throw out the guy has nerve damage, okay? You okay. don't do that. All right. All right. We'll see in two or three weeks. Doctor Charlie, do you have anything else? I have two more on. calls. I have to get to. Wait a minute. Just let me finish. For God's sakes, I haven't called in two no, weeks. No, I understand, but, but you, you literally just made up a career-threatening injury for somebody. I That's not cool. Up. Yes, nerve injury what is I'm nerve damage is made up. It's made up out of thin freaking air. Oh, John, you should not even be on the air after what you just said. Charlie, how do you know that he has nerve damage? Tell me before I hang up on your... Mm. Please, how do you know he has nerve damage? No, you tell me how you know Daniel Jones has nerve damage, or you just pulled it out of your big rear end. All right, you wait. In a couple of weeks, we're going to hear he's going to need surgery. Okay, so by you, you not, so by down. you, no, by the Lock way, even if down. he has to have surgery, that doesn't mean he has nerve damage. Usually when you have something wrong with your neck, your nerves are all on your neck from it's, your spine. It's very common sense, John. Charlie. I'm not a doctor, but I know something about medical stuff. Have you heard about discs before? Yeah, and guess where the nerves are? That's not nerve damage. That's Charlie, nerve damage causes, like, paralysis. Okay, all right. Just rub some Annika on it. It'll all be great. Don't worry about it. If you want to say he has a more serious neck injury, that's fine. Don't start throwing out nerve damage. Okay. All right, I won't. Okay, you don't want to hear the nerve damage. I think he has a more serious problem, and we're going to find out in two or three weeks that he's going to need surgery. But my point is this Jones has been injured for three years, and even when he plays, he's mediocre. So all I'm saying is when they hire the GM, the GM should make the decision on who the head coach should be and if he wants to keep Jones on the team or at least give some really, really good competition for him because he can't stay on the field. Of course. That is and, just And we've had that sense. conversation on this show. Mm-hmm. Charlie, and that's we, fine. We've had that conversation right. about you got to prepare accordingly just to play safe, especially at the backup position because of what happened this year and the fact that Daniel Jones has missed at least two starts in each of his first three well, seasons. Who, who wanted Michael Glenn? I mean, they had Kobe. He's Boy. Michael now? Oh, I didn't know you know him that well. Wow, okay. Yeah. Well, Mike, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I mean, who made that decision? It Judge must have had some input because <laughs> if he really wanted Colt McCoy, who played for him, he would have said, "I want Colt McCoy. He's good. He won a game for me in Seattle." Is it but also somehow, possible that Colt McCoy also had a say in whether or not he wanted to return to or go to Arizona? And how many Are we points? removing that from the equation? It was all so. Meaning Colt McCoy, he was waiting for the Giants. He had no say in whether or not he wanted to go to Arizona. How many points did the Giants score in that Seattle game? By the way. 
It doesn't matter. They won. How many points have we scored? Well, they won because of the run game. And the defense. That's why they won. And the defense, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because Colt McCoy also didn't fumble the ball 100 times. Look, all I'm saying is you've got a clean house. Judge is way over his head, and you got, I don't know how you guys can't see this. He's a special teams coach. He isn't a head coach. He isn't a game day coach. And that is a good coach, a great coach, when you can change things during the game. And I don't see him ever doing that. They stick with their stupid schemes. And, and oh yeah, Patrick they, Graham never makes scheme. Out. Yeah, Patrick Graham never makes scheme adjustments during the game ever, never. No, I'm talking about mostly about the offense. Graham probably should be the head coach if the new GM <laughs> wants them. But look, Judge is over his head, and and I'm tired. Tar- you know, I'm just tired of the excuses for this guy. It's the players' fault. You know, it's never it's never the coach's fault. It's never like uh, goes back. to No, him. Charlie. Like, according to you, it's always the coach's fault. No, I'm not saying that. And just one other thing about Chicago. Remember Sean Landetta trying to kick that punch Mm -hmm. and the wind took it off his foot? Well, that's what Chicago is, and I agree with you, Jeff, on that. But the only thing he could have done, though, is maybe just followed in the end zone a little bit instead of running the other way, you know, like so sure it was going to go in. Maybe, you know, that might have been helpful. He was looking in the end zone to see if it actually went in. Well, even better. Anyway, just thanks. Okay, thank you, Charlie. Appreciate the call, man. Thanks, guys. Good to hear yeah. from you. Well, that's where he messed up. I mean, by not looking back towards the end zone. Isn't that what happened? Well, yeah, or, or, yeah, or just stay behind the ball, you know what I mean? So, so you actually see where it lands? <laughs> All right, I got two more people on hold. I want to make sure we get to them before we say goodbye. We're going to have to go pretty fast, you guys. It's ready 102. Cole, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, hey, guys. Uh, it's Chris from New Jersey. Chris, what do you got? Hey, all right, so I'll make it quick. So follow up there with, uh, with, um, with Charlie. So, you know, i, I got to come to the defensive judge. Yeah, he's not perfect. Everybody rips on him with the conservativeness. Well, he's got to play the field position game sometimes. Sometimes fourth and one on the opponent's 40-yard line, he doesn't have faith in the line to get that one yard, so he, so he punts. All right, I'll give you the clock management. He, has, he had some issues with clock management and timeouts. Timeouts seem like they got a little bit better as we move along the season. But here's the bottom line with Judge. He brought Patrick Graham in, did a heck of a job. That was his guy. My opinion, he didn't have the opportunity to bring his guy in offense. Jason Garrett was thrown to him. First-time head coach, told to bring Jason Garrett in, my opinion. And not that Jason Garrett is the scapegoat in all this, and he's not. Things could have been different. When you add in all the injuries, I don't care if it's Vince Lombardi, Ron Ehrenhart, Bill Belichick running this offense. They're not scoring more than 13 points. Correct. If the Giants are scoring 20 points a game, if the Giants are scoring 20 points a game, they win a few extra games. This doesn't come down to the whole team. Special teams hasn't been great. Defense has held them in these games. If they had any semblance of an offense, they would have won a few more games. And that's, and that's the bottom line. And, and, the, and for all the people that say you've got to get judging, you can't bring a GM in because there's, there's no relationship there, well, you know, maybe, maybe Judge has a little bit say with the GM, and then they're tied together. Somebody like Amante Ossenford out of Tennessee, that could be a combination where they could work together. So, you know, I think that's the road that we may be going on next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the call. You guys oh. something to add to that? No, I like it. I mean, it, why couldn't Joe Judge and whoever, if it is the new GM, whether internally, externally, whatever, why can't they work together? They're going to be forced to if he's back anyway, so they've got to make the best of it. And, you know, maybe Joe Judge has a little bit more want in some, say, personnel stuff and gets on the same page. I don't know if that's what he wants and he gets. Great. But, you know, what? the bottom line is that Joe Judge has to win. 
that's what this job is all about is in year three coming up. Okay, and you know it takes it takes. This guy's a young football coach. He's never been a head coach before. There's going to be things like that 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 happen. And surely are they? You know, they happen for a reason. And hopefully, you just don't see it continuing, uh, constantly happening next season. Two things, real quickly. Colt McCoy <laughs> started two games last year. They scored 17 against Seattle. They scored six against Cleveland. <laughs> just in terms of the offensive production. So I just wanted to make that clear. Number two, with respect to a new coach, a new GM, whatever the dynamics may be, whatever direction the Giants choose, conversation has to happen, guys, before those moves are made. You're not going to go in blindly. The coach, if he has to work with a new GM, you have to lay out to the coach, this is the GM, this is what the plan is going to be. You don't go in and then all of a sudden, five months in, they now decide what direction they want to go in. I think that would all be laid out prior. There has to be an so, earnest conversation correct, when the exactly. And correct. the bottom line is, John, under those circumstances, if somebody doesn't like what that direction is and they say, you know what, well, I want to be a head coach, so I'm going to stay on, then that's on them if it doesn't work out. When you had the opportunity to speak up and you didn't like the game plan, that's on you to make sure that you can make the corrections before you get four or five months in and you don't like the personnel that's being brought in. Eventually, you're going to have to speak up to change the course of that. All right, final call of the show, 201-939-4513. Great job on the phones today, guys. We appreciate you carrying us through this uh, hour show. We've been taking your call since the beginning. Cole, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, it's Scott in New Mexico. Scott, what's up? Uh, I just decided that after listening to this program, I'm going to commit suicide right after this. (laughs) Please don't. Because this is, uh, we're getting caught in a lot of minutia about what we should do and what we shouldn't do. You all know that the game centers around the quarterback and the offensive lines for the offense. And right now, I don't know anything about Daniel Jones, whether he's going to be the starter or not. He's thrown 45 touchdowns. He's run for five, 29 interceptions, 38 fumbles. Uh, is he the starting quarterback? I have no idea. Uh, Nick Gase just had his sixth operation on his leg. I'm not sure he's coming back. Matt Pert's injured. Uh, you have, you may potentially have four new uh, offensive linemen, and that's going to take a while to develop. You all know that. So going into the season, what is John Mara and Steve Tisch looking at as the owners? Because there's some complicity on their part because they've allowed a lot of this to continue. So I just wanted to get your perspective, and I'm going to get off the air. What, what do you think John Mara and Steve Tisch are thinking right now? And what do you think their actions are going to be as they move on uh, into the future? And thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Well, look, John Mayer and Steve Tisch are, you know, usually guys that don't say a whole lot. So I don't think anyone really knows what they're thinking but them, for one. Uh, I do know that John Mayer is not happy. I can say that pretty unequivocally. (laughs) And I could probably say that Steve Tisch is also. Steve's just not in the building all the time. But I can assume that Steve Tisch also not happy um, with how things have gone. Really, really not happy uh, for for both those gentlemen. So, look, uh, what their overall thought is in terms of team details, we're going to find out whenever there's some kind of postseason press conference, which they usually do. But until then, I don't, I don't think we, I don't think anybody knows exactly what they're thinking right now. Yeah, they, they're thinking they got to improve their roster. That's what they have to do. That's what they're thinking, and they're thinking that you know this is uh, we got to win more games, and how are we going to get there? And we got five picks in the top eighty to build our roster. Um, we're going to have to try to do something with the salary cap to get some, you know, for our free agents or what have you. And that, that's what they're thinking. They're thinking, how are we going to be able to prove to the fan base that we're moving forward? 
And if that's an owner, that's what I'm thinking. Well, How I am I going to do this? I would say this, too. Like, what's the realistic method and time frame for this, right? Like, how much of a long game do you begin to play? You know, how much do you focus on winning next year as opposed to setting yourself up for a couple? You know what I mean? I think there are some mm-hmm. long-term strategic things that are going to be in play that are, are a big part of how you move forward is my point. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that also goes back to if you do make changes, whether it be at the GM or the coach, what those new individuals, John, think of the current shape of the roster and you get feedback from those avenues to determine what they're thinking in terms of timeline as well. I think, though, and, you know, once again, I know everybody has this philosophy, big picture about rebuilding. I don't buy the rebuild. And, Jeff, you've been with a lot of teams. You've been with a lot of franchises. And you were in the NFL before the salary cap and after the salary cap. So you really have seen it from various perspectives. But I just feel that rosters turn over by definition of how the NFL is built. Now, John, you brought up they don't have a lot of flexibility, so the bulk of the roster you figure is going to return. So I don't know if there's going to be that drastic amount to turnover, but you never have the 53 guys return. There's usually at least 15 guys that are going oh, to change at least. here or there, right? right? Through the yeah. draft, through everything. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that I think teams always go in wanting to be competitive and win. Do expectations need to be realistic? Absolutely. But I don't think anybody goes into the season saying, you know, we're not going to have absolutely any shot of being competitive and winning for the next two years because of the current situation. Because, look, if we would have said that about the Eagles this year, most people, yeah. right, did not think Philadelphia was going to have their head above water. And then, look, they're 9-7 and seven right now. So, you know, there's an example of it can happen. It's just a matter of, and this goes back to the conversation that we had the other day, your draft picks need to continue to take the steps forward. And, Jeff, you and I had this conversation on the postgame, right? It's got to be the 19, the 20, the 21 class. They all need to come together and show improvement. It can't be you're just hoping on the 2022 draft class. You're going to get five guys in the top 80, and those five are going to rescue you. I'm sorry. That's not going to be. They're too young. Correct. It's got to be the continuation of the guys that were brought in. Whether the people that drafted them or not are still here, you still need that group to be the bulk of what's going to help you move forward. They have to be. They have to be. And I think that's the way I, the reason, the way I brought up like the long-term strategy thing, like that's how you make decisions. All right, well, do I want to trade back in this year's draft to get picks for future years? Do I want to trade a veteran for a future draft pick? Or do I want to let him run out his contract and, sure. then get, and then get a comp pick two years down the road? Do I, you know, restructure a couple contracts to free up salary cap space this year to add somebody, but then take a hit in future years? Those are the types of decisions right. that you have to decide, well, am I willing to do this? Am I willing to do that to maybe help us now but hurt the future a little bit? Or do I want to maybe hurt the present to help the future a little bit? Those are the types of moves I think when I'm re- when I'm referencing the long term strategic thinking, and those yeah, all absolutely. come at a certain time. You know, of they course. have a pecking order of how the, the you know the off season runs. Obviously, free agency first, and then the draft, and then you know training camp, things like that. So those all line up, but they, they all have to have that kind of discussion before any of this happens. The future and the vision between your general manager, your coach, and ownership going forward. Period. That has to start, and it's going to start soon. Got to be on the same page.
can't have two different philosophies trying to operate simultaneously. It's just not going to work. And I think to John's point, John, I think some of that can occur simultaneously. Sure. What you're talking about. I think you can make some of those trades for the long term because you don't know what the roster is going to be like in 24 and 25. So if you can gain additional resources, that will help your team whether you're winning, you're in playoff contention or not because you have valuable resources. Getting extra picks is always a good thing. Correct. Correct. So that I think can operate simultaneously while also saying to yourself, yeah, we think we could be competitive and we think we can win games. I think both of them could be accomplished. Guys, good stuff. Good stuff, Absolutely. guys. Thank good you. Good stuff on the phones, everybody. Passionate day. I apologize for yelling, but and, and by the way, the reason I got mad about the nerve damage thing, if you have nerve damage, that can't be fixed surgically. And like you can like your career could be over. So I think yeah. just throwing that like you know, you can have a bulging disc and you can get that fixed and you're okay, right? I mean that's right, 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 right. But yeah. nerve like go ask Jalen Smith about nerve damage. Yeah. Like, he thought his career might be over if, if the nerve doesn't hear on its own. So that's why I got a little touchy about the nerve damage thing because that's like a, that's a career-threatening like type of deal. Like, the whole drop foot thing, that's nerve damage, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's, that's a problem. Anyway. Tomorrow we can get into the regeneration of nerves. I think <laughs> yes. there's a new research piece that just came out. I'm actually very interested to hear the three doctors that we'll bring together in the roundtable discussion. Spinning yes. stem cells, injecting them go. into the 100%. joints, all that yes. stuff. Yeah, it'll yeah. be great. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, all right, good stuff. Jeff and I tomorrow on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Again, we're at noon, folks, the rest of the way. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live.